Hi everyone, Tommy here, to let you know that the St. Dimpna's Playbook book is now available from Ave Maria Press. You can order wherever books and ebooks are sold. We'll put a link to the book on Ave's website in the show notes so you can go and check it out and use the code BEWELL, all one word, to get 25% off. Thanks so much! St. Gemma Galgani once said, If I saw the gates of hell open and I stood on the brink of the abyss, I would not despair. I would not lose hope of mercy, because I would trust in you, my God. Welcome to the 106th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want us all to remember when we're standing on the brink of the abyss, God is there, even when we can't feel it, perhaps especially when we can't feel it. He's there, right there with us, standing in the suffering. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. Today we're going to chat about Pope Francis and his prayer intentions for the month of November for people who suffer from depression. His exact words are, we pray that people who suffer from depression or burnout will find support and a light that opens them up to life. This might seem like a minor thing to many of us, but it's actually so very important to all of us who experience depression to hear the Pope ask the world to pray for us, to pray that we might find the support and the light we need to dispel our hopelessness. It means so much to me to hear him focus on mental health, and it isn't the first time. Back in June, the Pope spoke at a conference for mental health professionals, and he said, It is essential that action is taken to fully overcome the stigma that mental illness is often tainted with. And we wouldn't want to forget an article published by a CNA back in February where Pope Francis talked about his own personal history of seeing a psychiatrist to help him with anxiety when he was younger. His exact words about that experience were, The treatment with the psychiatrist also helped me to locate myself and learn to manage my anxiety and avoid being rushed when making decisions. The decision-making process is always complex, and the advice and observations that she gave me was very helpful. Her teachings are still very useful to me today. So I just want to say what a blessing Pope Francis is for so many reasons, obviously. But today it's worth recognizing him focusing on mental health and those of us suffering. And let's all join him in praying for his November prayer intention. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Requests, and today I'm going to introduce you to St. Agnes of Assisi. (laughs) 
Born in 1197 in Assisi, Italy, Agnes was the younger sister of the well-known St. Clair of Assisi and the cousin of Rufino, one of the three original companions of St. Francis. We'll look to Wikipedia for some amazing events surrounding her life. On March 18, 1212, her eldest sister Claire, inspired by the example of Francis of Assisi, left their father's home in secret to become a follower of Francis. Sixteen days later, Agnes ran off to the church of where Francis had brought her sister, resolved to share Claire's life of poverty and penance. Angry at the loss of his two daughters, their father sent his brother Manaldo and several relatives and armed followers to the monastery to force Agnes to return home. Manaldo drew his sword, ready to strike his niece, but his arm allegedly dropped to his side, withered and useless. The others dragged Agnes out of the monastery by her hair, striking and kicking her repeatedly. Agnes's body reportedly became so heavy that her assailants dropped her in a field nearby. Her relatives, purportedly realizing that something divine protected her, allowed the sisters to remain together. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. Permit me, divine Jesus, to come closer to you, that my whole soul may do homage to the greatness of your majesty that my heart, with its tenderest affections, may acknowledge thy infinite love. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter Therapy. Josh gets us started. As a therapist and a Christian, I'm curious how others hold together the beautiful and fruitful work on trauma and its real and lasting effect on the human and the Christian ideal of meditating on the wounds or trauma of Christ. The former is an obstacle to overcome, alter, and transform via EMDR, cognitive interweaving, and memory reconsolidation. The latter is an essential aspect of our faith, not only acknowledging but efficacious to dwell on. Let's start by joining in prayer together for all those who've experienced trauma and all those who experience symptoms related to a history of trauma for peace, calm, and hope. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for this question, uh, as I think a lot of us have explored this or similar things, wondering what to do when so many Catholics, both present day and those who come to us through the writings of the saints, have devotions that we might find difficult to engage with because of our own personal experiences. There's a beauty to the vastness of things in our Christian faith that we should meditate on, pray over, and experience. However, not all things are always open to us at all times, given our mental health, emotional well-being at any given time, personal experiences, etc. So I, I think we need to work to get to know ourselves in this particular moment we are living in. Make an effort to avoid things that aren't going to work for us right now. Be okay with that and then reevaluate as we move forward in our lives. I see this a lot with people suffering from severe anxiety around death and then coming into contact with the memento mori practice that's become so popular recently. 
It's a great practice with roots in our faith going back to the very beginning, but it isn't for every person in every moment of their life, if that makes sense. Of course, as Catholics, we carry around a certain amount of guilt when we can't do all the things all the time, but we have to work to let that go and remember that the path God has for us to get to him isn't going to be the same path that he has for another person, but the path is there and we can trust that he'll help us along the way. I hope that helps. Ellie is up next. I've been going to therapy on and off for three years now to help manage my anxiety. While therapy used to be a big help, I'm finding it hasn't been as helpful recently, and I feel like I've been experiencing more anxiety lately. Should I try and seek a new therapist, or should I start considering bringing up the topic of medication with my doctor? When or what is a good benchmark to help determine whether or not I should start medication? I really wanted to avoid taking medication, but simple things like driving to work in the morning have become difficult. Let's start by joining in prayer for Ellie and everyone experiencing anxiety and not knowing when might be the right time to consider medication that God may bring them relief and the right supportive people at the right time. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Well, first, please be assured of our prayers moving forward. I mean, everyone just prayed for you and we'll keep it up. I think when we're seeing a therapist for anxiety, it's important for all of us to understand the purpose of therapy is to provide us with a toolkit that works for coping with our symptoms and then give us an opportunity to practice those tools until we're ready to kind of rock and roll on our own, right? Sometimes mostly because of what we see in media, we think therapy is supposed to be an ongoing relationship that we continue forever and ever. But in reality, our therapist should be giving us an opportunity to find the coping skills that will help us with our presenting problems and then send us on our way to battle those problems with our newly acquired skills. Of course, sometimes we might do exactly that and find that our symptoms are still overwhelming. At that point, we have to take a moment to examine two things. First, is that Perhaps our anxiety and panic attacks make it too difficult to see any fruit from therapy. For example, if our anxiety is to the point where we're super anxious going to therapy, super anxious when we talk about anxious things in our lives, or even have panic attacks when we're trying our new skills to cope, it might be that we need to get some control over our anxiety so that we can even begin to work on that anxiety, if that makes sense. And that might be a time when medication should be considered. Second, as you mentioned, if we've been trying therapy and find that our symptoms are continuing to impact our ability to function and meet our responsibilities, it might be a time where we should consider medication. Remember, saying yes to medication at one point in our lives doesn't mean that we're going to be taking medication forever. So it's important, it's so important, that we ask a medical professional to help us explore if it might be a good solution, even temporarily, so that we can start feeling like ourselves again. Take good care. Anonymous wraps us up. My 15-year-old who works every minute of the day to retrain her brain still experiences passive suicidal thoughts. She's recently celebrated a year of no self-harm. Congratulations, that's so amazing. But out of the blue, smack dab in the middle of a decent day, she can have thoughts of hanging herself. 
We have a good relationship with her psychiatrist and therapist. And tomorrow night, she makes her confirmation and she received a pamphlet that's supposed to assist with making a good confession that stated that suicidal thoughts and attempts are a sin. Is high blood pressure a sin? These pamphlets almost derailed her. After tonight's confirmation practice, there was confession. And by God's grace, she still went through worried about her thoughts as sins. Whatever she did say, the priest was wonderful and told her, told her lots of teen, they hears lots of teen confessions. I'm sorry, this is just such a tough one and was so glad to hear hers. He gave her encouragement and specific details about her strong faith. But seriously, what am I missing that our church talks about suicide as a sin and nothing else? No qualification given in case of mental illness. Oh goodness, let's start by joining in prayer together for everyone experiencing suicidal thoughts and everyone who cares about them, in addition to praying for the souls of every person who has died by suicide. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O holy mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let me start by saying uh, what a blessing it is that you're involved in your daughter's life, that you support her, that you accept her, that you stand up for her in the midst of mental health stigma being thrown her way. God bless you for that. Second, because I want to stay on the positives as long as possible here, I'm so grateful that your daughter had a positive experience in the confessional. Thanks be to God that there are priests out there who are able to accompany us through something as difficult as this and reassure us as we move forward. Okay, that's probably as long as I can be positive here, so allow me to rant just a tiny bit. I am so deeply hurt and disgusted that our church would hand something like this out to teenagers ever, but especially in the midst of one of the most life-changing and stressful events that any of us have ever experienced this pandemic. The idea that they would list, quote, thinking about suicide, end quote, as a sin that needed to be brought up in confession brings me such deep pain, not only because we aren't in control of our intrusive thoughts ever, and then because... It doesn't take into account the experiences of mental illness at all. And last, because it's completely ripped out of context from an individual's life and experience. And listen, I looked at the pamphlet that you sent pictures of, and here's the thing that makes me even more upset. Under you shall not kill, the text says, quote, have I thought about suicide? But then under you shall not commit adultery, the text says, quote, did I give my mind over to lustful thoughts or fantasies, end quote. That difference rips me to shreds. So when it comes to lust, we admit that thoughts can pop into our minds, but it's only a sin if we indulge in the thoughts and and start thinking deeply about these fantasies. But when it comes to suicide, merely having the thoughts is sinful. It's absolutely shameful. I could go on and on here, but let me just again say what a blessing it is that you are in your daughter's life so you can help have these discussions with her, help her to understand that the church and this little pamphlet obviously don't represent the larger understanding of this within church teaching and stand up on her behalf to the parish, understand how hurtful and wrong this part of their pamphlet is to those of us who are suffering, make them understand what they did here. Please 
everyone, pray for Anonymous, for her daughter, and everyone who has been stigmatized for their mental illness, and for everyone who holds stigmas about mental illness, and for our church to learn to accompany us through our mental health experiences without stigma, without shame, and without casting the judgment of sin on us in times of suffering. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions or situations. If you'd like me to address them in a future episode, I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry, I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.